0: Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Kingdom Talk with Tanya. I just wanted to let you all know I'm a little late for June. I typically post first Saturday of June, been going through some things with my little sweet doggie, so please keep her in prayer. Um, and so here we are recording second Saturday in June. But I also wanted to let you know that I will be taking a little break for the next couple of months, so I will not be recording for July and August, but I plan to be back here um, in September 1st, Saturday, uh, with new content, I'm going to write through the summer, I'm going to pray through the summer, I'm going to spend time with God, and I'll be ready to go um, with new content, hopefully bringing on some special guests, Um, again, I'm so appreciative and grateful for everyone who tunes into this podcast. Today, we have a really, really good subject. Um, It's something that I see a lot of people dealing with. Um, I've dealt with some of it myself, and I just want to see everybody get set free. The title of my message is Bye Bye Bondage. How many people want to say goodbye to bondage? Um, I know I do. No one wants to live in bondage. The, The Bible says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God wants us to all be free and not walking around in bondage. And I will tell you, some people are living in deception and captivity. And the sad thing is that often it's in our face and we don't even see it. The devil has also um, brought or has some people in a chokehold. But then there are others... In other situations, it's not the devil. We blame things on the devil that sometimes it isn't the devil. It's us and it's our bad choices. And then again, sometimes it is the devil and it's the chokehold he has us in. Bondage is a result of bad choices. You're just looking for someone to blame them on when it's not the devil, it's you. Um, and I can say that because even as a diehard Christian myself, I've been deceived. I've been deceived. Satan is the prince of this earth for now, but he is cunning and he is conniving. He will have you bound up and you don't even know it or you know it and you have no idea how to get free. Well, today I'm telling you it is possible to be free. Our foundational scripture is Romans 8 and 37, and it reads, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. It's that simple. We are more than conquerors through Him, God, and His Son, Jesus, who loved us. We can conquer anything because of our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the areas of bondage that I'm going to talk about today is sin, sin, Guilt and shame, addiction, generational curses, soul ties, and trauma. And as you'll see, many of these things that I just mentioned, they go hand in hand. One affects or impacts the other. And sometimes one is a trigger or the cause for an, uh, for an, one of the others. And I'll talk more about that. For example, addiction. Addiction sometimes comes from trauma or Addiction can come from a generational curse. Your grandmother was an addict. Your grandfather was an addict. Your great grandma, your aunt. And it just goes down generation to generation and affects families. Um, And we're going to talk about that because I want to see you get set free from those generational curses. I am confident that one of those areas that I just mentioned is going to speak to someone. Uh, One of them or more of them speak to, to everyone listening here today. So I want you to listen. And I want you to um, gain whatever wisdom or God wants to give you through this message so that you can say bye-bye to bondage today. Because God has been speaking to me through this word. And I'm going to say bye-bye to some things. I'm saying bye-bye to some things currently. And I want you to do the same thing. So I just want to start with a real quick prayer before I dive into this. And then uh, we'll take off. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. I just pray that your presence is um, here in this place, and I pray, God, that your presence is on the inside of me. I pray that everything I share today will be all of you and none of me, God. Help my listeners to gain insight, understanding, revelation, and I pray it will accelerate them and propel them into positive change so that they can say bye-bye to bondage today. We thank you for it. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We love you, and we pray to you these in all of our prayers in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the first topic we're going to talk about is sin, and sin is something that we all deal with, and we will be dealing with it until Jesus comes back to get us. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, so if you say you don't sin, you're a liar, and that's a sin. <laughs> we all sin. We all fall short of the glory. The Bible also says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh will never be saved. It will never be saved. Our spirit man has to get stronger so that we can arrest that flesh and put it under the blood and allow our spirit man to raise up. But we will never be saved and we will miss it. Um, Your weakness may be different from mine, but we all have a weakness or some weaknesses. And it could be what we consider little sins um, that we're dealing with, like gossip or white lies, overindulging in alcohol, occasionally, but we're not alcoholics, cursing, whatever. But let me tell you, sin is sin. So I hate when people say, well, you know, I'm good, and I, you know, blah, 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 because they look at those big sins and they don't commit them. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. Because to God, sin is sin. There's no such thing as big sin and little sin in His eyes. I know that's hard to understand. A liar and a murderer should not be judged the same, but sin is sin in God's eyes. My goal for myself is to recognize my sin and to overcome it. Yes, I can ask for forgiveness and God will forgive me, but true repentance is turning away from that sin, and that's my desire, to recognize my sin and to ask forgiveness and to repent and to turn away from it. We have to confront our sin and we have to ask God to help us. And there are some areas where we're weak and we're going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again because it's a bad habit. Um, but we again continually ask God to forgive us until we see it come to pass. And we have to repent. We have to repent every time we commit that sin and try to make progress in that area, whatever it is. It takes prayer and sometimes fasting, getting in the word, hanging around people that will hold you accountable. Um, to be delivered and to desire to change from that sin and those ways. Being in community with believers is also important. And people who are stronger than you spiritually. That's, that's important to me. Sometimes I like being around people who I identify as being stronger than me spiritually. Because I glean from them. I look up to them as, as an earthly um, vessel. And I desire to be more like I see them being. Because I know they've done it and I can do it too. But always remember that God's grace is bigger than our sins. We are not saved by works and all the good things we do, and we cannot earn our way into heaven. Always remember that. Thank you, God, for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and who we can repent to, and he will forgive us. He'll throw it in the sea of forgetfulness as if it never happened. We can't do that as humans, but God does it. Um, And he forgives us. And I just thank God for that. It doesn't make an excuse we shouldn't continue to wallow in our sin. We want to change and continue to be better and better and better every day and be perfect in Christ, though we will miss it. We still want to continue um, getting closer to Him and being more like Him and setting a godly, godly example. And I want you to remember that partial obedience Partial obedience is still sin. If you're partially obeying God, but you're doing some things wrong, it's still sin. And there's always temptation that comes with that. So it's easy for to be sucked back in. Our short-sightedness often takes um, or makes partial obedience appear to be the best or the safest or the most reasonable choice. But it's always going to lead to sin in the future. And eventually, it's going to make our lives more difficult than we need it to be. So let's just obey. Let's learn to obey God. Let's learn to repent for our sins. And let's learn to get off the hamster wheel and stop doing things over and over and over again. And in an area where we're really weak and we're struggling to get past it, ask them every day. Ask them every time you do it. Recognize it. Identify it. And repent for it. And if you're partially obeying God, just remember in any area of your life, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it and I want you to get it right so that you can get free from that sin and bondage. So the last point I'm going to make on sin is accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior is the first step to forgiveness of sins and heading into a life without sin. So if you haven't done that, that is necessary and it's a prerequisite for being able to get delivered and healed from sin. You have to accept Jesus as your Savior. And then at that point, we're going to work on overcoming our obstacles and our vices. Um, Because as I said, we all have them. So let's get free from sin. Let's get out of the bondage that sin can sometimes put us in. The next um, topic that I want to address is guilt and shame. Because oftentimes when we sin, we feel guilt and we feel shame. And that does not come from God. He does not bring on condemnation. That comes from Satan. Yes, God will convict us when we miss it. We should be convicted. We should feel bad we should not walk around with guilt and shame. And there are so many people that are living with guilt and shame. Maybe it's for something that um, they did wrong or someone that they hurt. Maybe it's because, you know, you're not where you believe that you should be in this life. Maybe you feel you've disappointed God or you've disappointed someone else. And maybe it's because you've been a repeat offender with sin um, and you feel guilty, you feel shame for that. Well, the Bible says in Romans 8, 1 and 2, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And there's that word again, sin. Sin, sin. guilt, and shame all goes hand in hand. We do wrong and then we feel guilty and it's a pattern. We allow shame to enter in at that point. Let me tell you something, that is a trick of the enemy. He is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. He's the one that brings on the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation. Do you know that our Father loves us so much that we, he would never bring guilt on us? He would never bring guilt on us. That does not come from God. The passage that, um, that in, in Romans 8, 3, and 4, it goes on to read, the law of Moses was unable to save us. Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son into a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied by us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. So that's such a good um, verse in the Bible that um, he sent his son Jesus to be a human and to walk in a body just like we do. And he was tempted himself, but he was without sin. And so he made that sacrifice for our sins. Sin, guilt, and shame, it has no place in your life. Jesus died for all of that because he came as a man, and then he died for us. Let's repent when we miss it. As I said before, right our wrongs with the people we've heard or disappointed, and then let's forgive ourselves because forgiving ourselves is huge. It's a huge part of letting go of guilt and shame. You must forgive yourself, and you must work hard to make those changes so um, that you won't repeat that act again and again, um, and you won't allow Satan to keep Um, messing you up by making you feel guilty for when you do mess it or mess up because God is not doing that to you. One more thing about guilt and shame um, that we deal with, which is the next topic I want to discuss, is addiction. So many people with addiction are dealing with guilt and shame, Um, especially when they come down off that high. They feel guilty. They feel shame for it. Um, But then they go right back to it. because Why? Because they're addicted. They don't know how to stop. But that um, addiction... It is something that has so many people bound up. The Bible says in John 10 and 10 that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, though, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God wants to give you a satisfying and an abundant life. But sometimes this thing that started out as a bad habit, it has a hold on us. And it becomes a stronghold. And we're going to talk about strongholds in a minute. And addiction. Addiction comes in many forms. A lot of people think alcohol, drugs. No, there's many, many addictions that's out there. I'm grateful to say that um, I haven't dealt with any strong addictions, but you know what? I have had really bad habits in life. Um, I have, and you know what? I, I can't even say that I haven't because I used to smoke cigarettes, and I was a smoker for, gosh, probably I don't know, seven or eight years. So that's an addiction. So I can't say that I haven't dealt with addiction um, before I have. It's been a long time. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But I see it all around me, and it just breaks my heart. Addictions are things like, obviously, drugs, cigarettes. Food can be an addiction. Gambling, pornography. Shopping can be an addiction. I love to shop. I'd like to believe I'm not addicted to it. Sex. There are some people who have sexual addictions, Obviously, alcohol is an addiction. There are so many things that Satan tries to put into our face to tempt us, to get us off course. The list, it just goes on and on and on and on um, for what can come in to destroy our lives. And sometimes addiction destroys our loved ones, not just us. Um, and it's it's just a terrible thing. I looked up addiction and I read that it's a neuropsychological disorder defining pervasive and intense urge to engage in maladaptive behaviors, providing immediate sensory rewards despite their harmful consequences. So addiction is very psychological. Your brain tells you to do something. You get a thrill or a high from it, even if it's dangerous to you or to others, and you go right into that trap. And it is, as I said, plaguing a lot of people. It's easier said than done to get healed from it, but I want to see you healed. I want to see you set free. What is it that you need to be set free from is the first thing you need to ask yourself and you haven't been able to accomplish it. You have to ask yourself because you have to first admit you have a problem. You can't get better unless you can admit you have a problem. So if you've admitted that you have a problem, then you're already a little bit on your way to getting healed from it because there are so many people that are in denial about it. Um, and I tell you what, though, there are support groups out there that will support addiction. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I say, if you're dealing with addiction, that's the first step right there after you admit it. Join a support group. Join or find someone that's going to hold you accountable, accountable, an accountability partner. Someone who you can call when you're on the verge of slipping someone who's going to hold you to the fire and love you enough to hold your hand in the process. And yes, you're going to get defensive sometimes during that, but you have to listen to them and know that they're only telling you what they're telling you in love. As long as they're still supporting you, they're trying to help you. So they can't be soft. You can't find an accountability partner that's just going to give in to you. They've got to be hard on you and they have to hold you accountable. And they have to tell you the truth. Because that's an important thing, but that's so important to have. And God bless you if you have that. And God bless them for sure, because that accountability partner, um, that support group, it's so important and we need it. You have to get out of environments and stay away from people with those similar addictions. They only add fuel to your fire and it won't work. Plus, it's not healthy. I'm amazed at the people that believe they can get healed with a partner who has the same issue. It's not, it's not, it's just, I don't see it working if the person that you're with has the same addiction or the issue that you have. Um, It's just not good. Rehab, rehab, we all know that. If it is available to you, go, go to rehab. There's programs out there. People's like, well, I can't afford it. Yes, you can. There are programs out there that will help you get into recovery. And I know a lot of people, they have to hit rock bottom before they go. But the good news is about that, that research shows that 75% of people with addiction survive and go on to live full lives, especially if they get good treatment. You must get good treatment. And you can go on to live a normal and a healthy life. There is hope if you're dealing with addiction. I think a lot of addicts um, feel hopeless I don't want you to feel hopeless. There is hope out there. You've got to do your part, but you can be healed. You can. You must first believe it though. You've got to believe it, and then you've got to get help. And of course, as I always say, surrendering to God, leaning on Him, praying every day, and surrounding yourself with positive people, finding a good church and church groups. Most churches, especially larger churches, have groups that you can join. Accountability partners can come from that. And talk to people who have overcome addiction. Testimonies from people who have been through what you've been through, they can give so much encouragement. The Bible says that God is no respecter of person. If he did it for someone else, he can do it for you. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Don't alienate yourself. You have to be around people. Don't hide from the issue. You must confront it and you must deal with it. Don't let addiction steal your life or even worse, don't let it kill you. Because the Satan will satan will take you out of here with addiction, he really will, he will. You've gotta confront it, you've gotta deal with it and know that you're not alone. And for goodness sakes, don't lay down one bad habit and pick up another, that's where that cycle comes in. It comes in, I had a friend one time, she had an issue with um, alcohol and she also was a cutter. She'd been through molestation as a child, which was so devastating, but she laid down the alcohol and she picked up Hawaiian fruit punch and someone else, I heard someone tell me it's because of that sugar. She needed that sugar, the high that she gets from the sugar. But she literally would walk around carrying a jug of a lion punch. And I thought, well, hey, it's so much better than alcohol. Thank you, Jesus. And for your liver. But the sugar is not good for you either. So try not to lay down one bad habit and pick up another one. Because that's oftentimes, like I said, what addicts do. We don't want to repeat that cycle over and over again. Now we have something else we have to get delivered from. Um, I will also say that addiction sometimes comes in when we're bored. It stems from boredom. So we must learn to be productive. The Bible says that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. He's going to play with you. He's going to play with your head if you're bored. So be productive. Find a hobby. Take a walk. Do something so that you're not bored caged in because you're caged in he's going to start speaking to your mind your mind remember I said it's psychological addiction psychological he's going to start speaking to your mind and then those temptations are going to come in and before you know it you're you're practicing bad habits and then if you're around other people doing things that they shouldn't do sometimes you get sucked in that way too so you've got to be careful to watch the circle that you're in lastly I will say take it one day at a time Rome wasn't built in a day. It's going to take one day at a time, sweet Jesus. God will give you your daily bread. Take it one day at a time. And if you miss it today, don't give up. Start over tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day. The Bible says joy cometh in the morning. Wake up with a new attitude and get it right. You can do it. I know you can. So I also read about uh, people that are in AA And it says people in AA, they get a sober chip after the first 24 hours of sobriety, one day of sobriety, and they give them a a chip, one of those sober chips. Because they say that it can be the most difficult chip for some people to earn. That chip, though, is a symbol of their decision to pursue a sober lifestyle. Remember, I said, first, you've got to admit you have a problem. And then you got to do something about it. So admitting you have a problem and then going 24 hours without a drink, that is amazing. That's that one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And then the next day and then the next day. You get that chip because you've shown that you want a better life. So I want you to chase after that better life. Get your chip for 24 after your 24 hours and then keep going. I want to see everyone suffering from addiction get set free and live a normal life. And if you have a loved one that's suffering from addiction, because I know some people listening are dealing with that, I want you to love them. I want you to love them, but I don't want you to enable them. I've dealt with addicts, and I'll tell you what, it is is—it's so hard, especially in your family with people you love, but you have to give them tough love. If you enable them, they're not going to get better. Be hard on them. If it's your kid, you have to sometimes put them out. Don't give them money, for goodness sakes. Definitely don't buy them the alcohol if that's the problem or whatever, Get them set free. Support them. Love them. Don't criticize them. Don't be hard on them. Don't be mean to them. But be stern and give them that word. And of course, pray for them and pray for yourself if you're dealing with it. Pray. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Do not give up on your loved ones because there is a chance that they can be set free. A big chance. And like I said before, statistics say 75% of people with addiction survive. And go on to live full lives. So it can happen and I want it to happen for you if you're dealing with it. The next topic is generational curses. And I said at the beginning that some of these things go hand in hand. And addiction is one of those that goes along with generational curses. One triggers or causes the other. Sometimes people with generational curses, that's the root. That is the root. That's the root of addiction. It's a root of some of the other things. And what is a generational curse you might ask? Well, it's toxic habits or behaviors passed down from one generation to the next. I know a family in my hometown that I've seen addiction run rampant over many years and over several generations, actually, alcohol and drug use. The grandparent was an addict, and then some of the children turned addicts, and then some of their kids were addicts, and now some of their kids' kids now have kids, and now they're addicts. I've seen, like, the ones in my generation... Um, be addicted and then their children some of their children are as well and so it just passes on from one generation to the next and it's such an unfortunate thing because that child didn't ask for that curse they are born into it they're born into it what's important here to understand is that you can get healed from generational curses that are passed down to you And you have to, you've got to get healed in order to stop that curse from moving to generations to come in your own family, you and your children and your grandchildren. You have to get clean, you have to get free so that you can um, pray over your family that that curse is dead, it's gone, no more. It's not going to plague anyone else. You have that responsibility, you have the responsibility to do that. And I know that feels like a lot of pressure on you. But look at it as motivation. Look at it as motivation to get healed. Because your healing is not just for you. It's for the ones you love. The Bible says, You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. And that's Exodus 20 and 25. That's scriptural. He says, you can't, you must not bow down or worship them, other gods. And that is a God. Whatever you're addicted to, it, you have made that your God. He said, he will lay, God said he will lay down sins on you and they will affect the entire family, the third and the fourth generations. Remember, I said generation to generation, I've seen it happen and it can happen. That addiction thing is nothing to play with. It is scriptural and it says it. Your children and your children's children will be affected uh, negatively. They'll be impacted by your addiction and your sin. And and, and addiction is sin. It is sin because it is um, worshiping or serving another God. The Bible says that your body is a temple. We're supposed to take care of our bodies. It's a temple. And then in Exodus 34 and 7, the Bible says, I lavish and fell in love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren, the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. What is the cure for generational curses, you ask? It's repentance. Because the Bible tells us this is what happens when you keep repeating that sin, when you're rebellious, when you keep doing the things that you know you're not supposed to do. Um, It's going to be passed down to your children. There's two verses that says almost the exact same thing in Exodus. And so God really meant that. We must repent. We've got to repent going back to sin. We repent. We repent. We do not want our children or their children to suffer for our sins. I know I don't. I do not want my children to suffer for my sins and my weaknesses. So I repent, and I ask God to help me turn from it. I don't want it to happen. Whatever it is, I mean, we've got to ask. Because I'll tell you what, those generational curses, they're not just um, addiction. Other generational curses that can be passed down to our families that are negative is anxiety, fear, Obesity can sometimes be passed down from generation to generation, which is an addiction, food addiction. Heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, all of that. They are generational curses. Heart disease is a generational curse in my dad's side of the family, but it's done. It's dead. We're, I'm cutting that thing off at the head. I will not be impacted by it. Neither will my children or their children or their children to come. And I pray that my sisters and my brothers will pray that that over their families and their children and children's children as well. My dad dealt with heart disease and and ultimately died from heart disease from a from complications from heart disease. My um, grandmother, my dad's mom, had heart disease. My um, she died of a stroke, I believe it was. My, my dad's two of my dad's brothers died from heart attacks, and I just don't want that to be plagued. Diabetes is something else that has ran down from generation to generation of my family. We've got to pray over these things. We do not want these, these illnesses, these sicknesses to plague our children and our children's children. So pray over it. Repent if we're missing it in any area. Start eating healthy. Exercise. Make the choices. And then pray that it will not impact or affect your children. The next topic is soul ties. I believe we all often bring soul ties on ourselves. Do you know um, that every relationship you're in, and especially the ones where um, you experience sexual intimacy, it ties you to that person? The definition of a soul tie is an emotional or spiritual connection between two people. And the result of this is um, you can take on some of that person's personality traits, Or you can remain stuck almost as if they have a grip on you. You cannot walk away from the relationship. That's what a soul tie will do. And I don't know about you, but there are people in my past, I do not want a soul tie with them. I don't want their personality traits and I don't want to continue to be connected to them in any way. The way that we prevent soul ties is to be careful with who we allow ourselves to get connected to. Um, I believe this is the very reason that God intended for sex to be between one man and one woman who aren't married. And that marriage um, is consummated through sex. And that's what God developed it for. Sex is a beautiful thing, but it's between a man and a woman who are married. Anybody else, you're developing those soul ties and those connections to them that God never intended you to have. So let's be careful who we lay down with and women, especially you because a man is making a deposit in you. And it can change your life forever. It's some serious stuff. And it's something that we all need to think about. We need to walk out. Soul ties. Don't forget about it. And let's cut those soul ties off with people from our past. The last topic is trauma. I want to talk about trauma. Boy, I've seen so much of this lately. It can be a terrible thing. And I know people who have had traumatic experiences as a child and many who have had them in adulthood. Trauma can change the trajectory of your life. With trauma, it is so very important to get therapy. Therapy is so important because you have to face that problem, problem, and you have to find the root for the issues so that they do not destroy your life, your life, and your relationships. They will destroy relationships. Trauma will. Oftentimes, trauma, like I said, it's not your fault. It's um, so sad because children that have dealt with trauma, and I've seen it happen. I've seen some. I know some children that have been affected with trauma. Some adults. But they were affected as a child. And I see how it's had an impact on them. I asked you to reflect on the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life, your childhood, your youth, your adulthood even. And confront it. Ask God to show you if your experiences have affected you negatively in any way. And get help for it. Self-awareness is so very important. It's so very important. Trauma is one where many people have acknowledged it. They've acknowledged they've dealt with it, but they've not faced it and they've not healed from it. What happens is you become immune to the pain and you think everything is okay. That's the trick of the enemy. That's deception. And then that childhood trauma that happens in families, because that happens. I've seen it a lot. What happens is oftentimes we will sweep it under the rug. We'll cover it up. We don't talk about it. Well, it's it's time to talk about it. It's time to talk about it. It's time to confront it. And it's time to get free from it. Get in therapy. Don't talk to everybody. You don't have to talk to everybody. You know what? I've shared things with people in confidence that I really trusted and that I loved. And then they went and told it to somebody else. And it was a trauma that I did not want repeated. So be careful who you tell what to. I'm learning that every day because I've done it more than once. Be careful who you tell what to. Tell it to someone you trust. Tell it to a therapist, a counselor. Um, but get up for it. Get help so that you can get set free. Deal with it. Peel back those layers of the onion so you can get to the root of the issue of what's causing you problems in your life and your relationships today because there is a root and that root is something you've gone through in your life when you were younger or even more recent. I was in an abusive relationship when I was young and I would say that it was traumatic, but back then I didn't see it as traumatic Um, today. I view that and I look back at it and I say, wow, okay, that's why I'm a runner. I'm a runner in relationships. In other words, I will walk away or run away from a relationship if I feel hurt or mistreated. Um, I run away and I will fight back if I'm feeling threatened. I don't have a meek personality as a result of what I went through as a teenager. I'm not meek. I'm very strong. I'm fiery. And I wasn't like that. As a child, I wasn't fiery or really a strong will. I didn't. I think my mom would say that. But after my teenage years and I went through that abusive relationship, it made me that way. It impacted my life. And I've always said, I will never let another man hurt me again. Always. That's been my motto in life. I will never let a man hurt me again. Another man. I put my guard up in a moment if I feel like I might get hurt. Um, and and that's not all bad. It's not all bad to have your guard up a little bit to protect yourself, but really it's God that should be protecting us. Um, so it's not all good either that I put my wall up and that I don't let the person, especially someone I love and that loves me, I don't let them in. I have that guard up sometimes. And that's from that trauma. So you got to recognize and identify that and understand that there is a, that those traumas cause issues in your life today. Self-awareness, you have to have it. I'm aware of it now. And today I check up on myself. You know, I'm a work in progress, but I do. I check myself and I say, yep, Tanya, you're going back. You're reverting back. To your teenage years, stop it. I have to check myself. You have to check yourself. Like addiction, don't let trauma steal your life. You deserve to experience healing from your hurts, from your trauma, from your pain. God wants to give that to you. He loves you so much. And he will restore you. The Bible says, um, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. That's Isaiah 61, three, and then verse eight. God's redemptive power and his restoration is available for you. It's available for you. He will restore you. He promised to give you beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and in all righteousness, they will be like great oaks, he said, That the Lord has planted for his glory. For his glory. Again, Isaiah 61, 3, and then verse 8. I just read. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. He will faithfully reward the people that are suffering and for their suffering. And make an everlasting covenant with them. That's a promise. That's a promise for the Lord. So remember that. And let's walk out that healing from those trauma from our past. And then your accuser. The person that wronged you. Pray for them you'll know that you're being healed once you forgive them and once you pray for them. You have to forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, you're not hurting them, you're hurting yourself. Forgive them, pray for them. And that's a process. Therapy is going to help you with that. Forgive them. Forgive them and pray for them because they need help too. They're humans too. So let's do that. In closing, a few things to remember is to believe God for supernatural healing for these things. But do your part. Begin working on developing a relationship with God. Build your willpower to say no to some things. Speak the word over your life and your situation. And call out the name of Jesus when you need him. Call on him. Well, we need him always, so call on him every day. Get therapy and get in support groups. Get in the right environment. Find the right friendships and associates. Family is very important. Don't alienate yourself from your family unless they're unhealthy. And then create boundaries. Boundaries are very important. I love boundaries. Boundaries are important. I learned boundaries in my past relationship, and I have them. And then make sure you surround yourself with the right people and cut the people off that are hindering you. Cut them off. Even if they're family, sometimes we have to cut them off. The Bible says in Judges 21 and 25, In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. When we don't have authority over us, we get into a mess. That's why it's important to have a, a church and have a pastor, a shepherd, someone to oversee you. So church is important as well. So they're not getting into something because you're being held accountable. I'm going to share with you a few promises from the Lord. Second Timothy 2 and 26. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants Satan's doing whatever he wants with us, but you're going to come to your senses and you're going to escape from the devil's trap. Repeat that scripture, find it in the Bible, write it down, put it on your, as a post-it note on your mirror, 2 Timothy 2 and 26. You're coming to your senses and you're going to escape the devil's trap in Jesus' name. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You must trust in the Lord, and that's where you're going to find strength. Trust in him. And then Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seeking God first. Go to him first. Not last. First. Go to God first. That's going to help you turn away from that sin and become righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Always remember, Jesus didn't die so that we would live in bondage. He died so that we could be set free. The Bible said it. I said it before. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm going to keep saying that. I want you free. Go back and listen to my podcast titled Free Indeed if you need some help getting free because that's a powerful message on getting set free um, from bondage and the sun setting you free. Let's not be like the Israelites who spent 40 years going around a mountain and many of them, including Moses, did not make it into the promised land. Their children did, but they did not. Why did they not make it in the promised land? Because they were complaining, because they didn't want to change, because they wanted to go back to that old life, and because they didn't obey God. That could happen to you. You go around a mountain your whole life of addiction and shame and guilt and trauma because you did not confront it. You did not deal with it and you did not work past it to get healed. I want to go into the promised land. Do you? Let's go into the promised land together. Let's say bye-bye to bondage and let's link hands. Let's link hands and let's go into that promised land, okay? The land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to repeat two more scriptures and this is kind of going to be my prayer for you. Um Isaiah 43 and 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The fire will, flames will not consume you. Isaiah 43 and 2. You're going to go through deep waters. You're going to go through rivers of difficulty. You're going to go through the fire. But he promised he would be with you. You will not drown. And the flames will not consume you. Remember those promises and stand on them. Isaiah 43 and 2. These are promises. And then John 16 and 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. He never promised you wouldn't, even if you're saved and righteous. But He has overcome the world. Take heart. He's overcome the world. Amen. Thank you all, God. I just pray for healing over each and every single one of my listeners. And if they're struggling with one or more of these areas, God, I pray that today they'll be able to say bye-bye to that bondage. They'll get the help they need, and they will get set free so that they can be free indeed. I thank you for it. I thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing to other people in this gift that you placed on the inside of me. And I pray, God, that my listeners will come will come free so that they can work their purpose out and that we will continue to work on that freedom until the day you come back. God, we love you, and we pray you these in all our prayers in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, podcast listeners, again. I hope you all have an amazing week and an amazing June. Summer is upon us. God bless you, and I love you all with the love of Christ. Take care.